So she will be at church this evening. Um, I'm looking forward to that barbecue. They, that's not the cheap sausages, people. That's the good stuff. That's the good stuff. So we're into it today. Uh, we're doing a new series on the Holy Spirit and how God's presence empowers us for Christ's life, life, life and ministry. Come on. Let's do it. I was driving here this morning and I said to Hope and Luca, uh, what does the Holy Spirit do? There was a big silence in the back of the car. And then Hope said, that's a tricky question, Dad. <laughs> but you know, she had a great answer. She then said, the Holy Spirit does miracles, doesn't he? And I thought, yeah, he does. He does. He does supernatural, amazing things in our lives. And that's what we're going to explore in this series over the next uh, nine or ten weeks. Um, today I'm going to give a bit of an overview of the Holy Spirit um, through the story of God's presence through the Bible. And then in future weeks we'll look at some particular elements of what the Holy Spirit does. Uh, we're going to have some great guest preachers like Kiralee and Peter who've got fantastic experience in ministry you know, in the power of the Spirit. Um, and look at topics like how, you know, how does God actually change our character? Um, you know, break addictions, change our habits, transform our will towards His will. Um, how does He empower the church with these supernatural gifts so that we might be built up and have unity? And people might know that we're not just a group of people studying a historical figure, but one who is powerfully at work still today in the church. Uh, how is the Spirit uh, active in assuring us of the love of God? So the goal will be not just that we know about the Holy Spirit, but also that we experience the love and power of God in our lives. Does that sound good? Yeah. All right. Now, you know, undoubtedly the Holy Spirit is always at work in the life of the church. Um, he's, he's at work in the most conservative, non-charismatic churches in the world. He's still at work there. You know, he, he gets, it says in 1 Corinthians um, 12, doesn't it, that you can't confess Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit is alive in, in, in all of God's church. But there are these amazing uh, moments since Pentecost where God seems to just pour His Spirit out on believers in interesting and amazing ways and in waves that kind of sweep through the church. And I don't know if we're particularly in one of those waves at the moment, um, it certainly happened in the late 90s and early 2000s, and there's always incredible things happening. Um, but I'm always so fascinated by people who've been involved in some of those great moves of God. Um, I just love, 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 love talking to people about what their experience of that was. Um, Greg Beach, who's in India at the moment, he was involved in one of those kind of sovereign waves of the Holy Spirit when it swept through the church in the late 90s in Sydney. And he was the pastor of Brandon Baptist Church. And they would hold midweek meetings with hundreds of people. And the Spirit of God was just doing amazing things uh, amongst his people. 
One of my friends, Jim, who I was in Hawaii with, um, he grew up in John Wimber, John Wimber's youth group in Anaheim, California. And so when I was with him in Hawaii, I just spent the whole time just asking him, just tell me stories. You know, what was it like when God was doing this and doing that? And, and where do you see God doing that today? So I'm always interested. And, you know, a lot of his story was just these California teenage kids who were just hungry for the presence of God. Like, there's, there's no great mystery to it. They were just hungry to see God move in their midst. And God showed up in their Friday night youth groups and home meetings and touched people's lives. So what's it like when God meets with his people? Uh, if you had told someone 20 years ago that I would be speaking on being filled with the Holy Spirit, there would have been a little bit of surprise. Um, I was safely tucked up in a quite a conservative church. And I remember telling some charismatic friends of mine who went to Hillsong that I don't think they were actually Christians. <laughs> I mean, if I had a dollar for all the dumb things that I've said, you know, I'd have 15 bucks by now. Um, <laughs> no, I would be a rich man. But I must admit that even back then, I found charismatic Christians fascinating. They had a certain quality of life about them that intrigued me. And because I was in a more conservative church, it was a wonderful church. Um, I'm so grateful for the way that it taught me the Bible and got me in Christian fellowship. But, you know, I never heard a sermon on the Holy Spirit. And because our theology is so often shaped by our experience, I didn't really have a theology of the Holy Spirit. And you just assume that your version of faith is correct. Um, so never having experienced what one might call the more physical or emotional manifestations of the presence of God, I was really sceptical. I just was. I would just parrot what my leaders would say to me about that that stuff was for the early church, but it doesn't happen today. So how did that kind of change for me, if you'll allow me a little bit of biography this morning? Well, the first stories for me, that there might be more to the Christian life than just knowledge about Jesus, came when I was taken to an evening with Jackie Pullinger. Ivy Rose, come down here. Um, Jackie Pullinger was this incredible um, missionary who gave up a very comfortable life in, Hong Kong, in, in London, moved to Hong Kong and did ministry in the walled city, which at the time was where the prostitutes and drug addicts and gang gang members all kind of lived. And she just saw remarkable things happen through that ministry. You know, as they would pray for people and they would come off addictions to heroin. Um, it would just be broken through intense spirit-filled prayer. So I was at this conference, I was a 21-year-old guy. I'd been thinking about quitting my job at Johnson & Johnson where I was in charge of toothbrushes and, uh, and she just stopped midway through her talk, just stopped out of the blue and said, there's a 21-year-old guy here who's been thinking about going to Africa. And the Lord just told me right then that he needs to go. And I had my friends elbowing me in the ribs. Um, and so I went and that changed the course of my life. But it made me think, does God still move in more supernatural ways than I thought? Is he interested in speaking to me 
on a personal level. Um, Though I moved to South Africa, I worked with Michael Cassidy and African Enterprise. My host family took me along. This was the name of the church. St. Nicholas Charismatic Anglican Church. And I remember at the time thinking, there's two words that don't go together. But a bit like pretty ugly or business ethics or rap music or deafening silence, I soon discovered that those two things could go together. And one morning I was out ministering in the township area of Port Elizabeth, in this tragically poor area, in this tin shed of a church. And the African evangelist gave a sermon, he talked about how he'd been healed of this skin condition. And then at the end of his message he said, we've got this guy who's come awful way from Australia who'd love to pray for people. And I'm looking around going, (laughs) I think that might be me. And, And so I came forward and these people begin to come forward for prayer. And I began to pray for these guys, and as you do, I just ran out of things to pray in my own language. You know, Lord, help this person. Lord, heal this person. And then then all of a sudden, from within, it's like my spirit took over and out bubbled this language that I'd never experienced before. And I was like, ooh, I think I'm speaking in tongues. Uh, And it was an amazing experience to pray for people like that. And I wondered, is this what Romans 8 was talking about? Verse 26, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Hello. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. I thought, wow, maybe that's just happened. It caused a few issues for me, because just as my theology had been shaped by a lack of experience, now I was in a funnel because something amazing had happened, and it didn't fit into my box of what God can do and can't do. But I remember thinking at the time, if this is New Testament, as in if if this is what the Bible is encouraging us to do, then this is what I've been waiting for. You know, this is what I want to pursue By this stage, I started reading the New Testament and I realised it was just soaked in the language of the Holy Spirit. Page after page, drenched with talk about the Spirit coming to indwell God's children. And I wondered if the fear for me at the time was not, what if we ask God to move in our midst and nothing happens? But almost a bigger risk of, what if we do ask God to move in our midst and something does happen? What do we do then? What if all these promises and descriptions of the power and the presence of God in the Bible are still for today? Just to finish a little bit of my story, I then ended up in London, ended up working for a consulting firm. Somehow I wandered into this church that had been planted by Holy Trinity Brompton that started the Alpha Course. And I just came alive in my early 20s in my faith in London. Uh, He was a church that was radically committed to social justice and its local area and transformation. But it was also teaching the Bible and it was also ministering in the power of the Spirit. And I remember just thinking at the time, why have we always seen these things as dichotomies? That I'm a spirit church or I'm a Bible church or I'm a local community action church. I just want the best of all these traditions. 
at work in me. And maybe just the final bit of biography, I remember being on the, my very first Alpha Holy Spirit weekend away. Um, it was a pretty posh church. So it was, at, it was on the river in Henley, where they hold the regatta in this like castle, um, as you do when you go to a West London church. And I remember just being prayed for to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And breaking down, and just being overwhelmed that one, I'm such a sinner. I'm such a, such a sinner. And yet God loves me. And just being filled with what it says in Romans 5, being filled with the Holy Spirit as he pours his love into the children of God. Amen. Woo! Okay. There we go. So what's this all about? Why should we hunger for more of the Holy Spirit? Gordon Fee, who I had the privilege of having as a lecturer in Canada, um, he wrote a, his Magnus Open is a book called God's Empowering Presence. And it's big and it's full. He exegetes every passage on the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. And it's his gift to the church. But he writes, here he is, up on the screen. For Paul, the power of the Spirit is not only for more visible and extraordinary manifestations of God's presence, but also for the empowering necessary just to be his people in the world. What's he saying? Basically, that yes, the power of uh, the Spirit is amazing when we see God move in extraordinary ways. And I never want to be the kind of Christian who gives up on healing or gives up on prophetic words or gives up on kind of remarkable fillings of the Spirit. Uh, but more deeply, we just need the Spirit at work in our lives to be Christian. Yeah. Just to be Christian. You know, who is the Holy Spirit? He is the, he is the presence of Jesus, the presence of God the Father, still at work in the world today. And the promise is that he'll come and fill our lives to help us be transformed into the glory of God. And so we need the presence of power of Christ within us. That's how we live the life and calling God intends for us as his people. On one of Paul's missionary journeys, he encountered a group of new converts to which he asked, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Isn't that a cool moment in the book of Acts? I don't imagine if you're in manly life you'd be in that group. But each of us constantly need to be receiving more of the presence of God in our lives. You know, the, the reality is that we often we pull back from pursuing the presence of God because our faith in the West gets infected with the rationalism of the age that we live in, right? We're so cognitive, we're so studious and knowledge-based and information-based that we sometimes forget that the Christian faith is miraculous and it's supernatural and it's God at work through his church in the world today. In the very first verse of the Bible, we're told the Spirit of God was involved in creation. It says the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And then at the creation of mankind, however you understand that in Genesis 2, it is the breath of God that creates humanity. And then as God forms a family to bless the nations, 
We see that the gift of God's Spirit is given just at certain times to certain people for certain tasks. It's not just always available in the children of God or necessarily permanent. 1 Samuel 16, 13, the Spirit of the Lord rushes upon David. 2 Kings 2, 9-10, Elisha receives a double portion of the Spirit. I love Moses in Numbers eleven twenty nine. He states, I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his Spirit on them. Why? Well, Moses had this insight that when power comes through God's Spirit, something remarkable happens in his people. And that's just what the prophets were led by God to foretell in the last days. The prophet Ezekiel, he's pointing towards this future point where God will not only act with his Messiah and to save us and to do something decisive in human history, but Ezekiel 36 verse 26 says God will give you a new heart. He will put a new spirit in you. He will remove from you your heart of stone. And he will give you a heart of flesh. The prophet Ezekiel prophesies that God will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So they're waiting. They're waiting. And they're expected. They're expected for the fact that one day God will move and change everything. And as we saw in our series on Isaiah, it's linked to this this changing of the ages, changing of the covenants, and this new era dawning when the Messiah comes and the Spirit will be available to everyone. You know, the prophet Joel spoke about a time when God would pour out my Spirit on all people. He says, your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days. Pointing forward, pointing forward, promising, promising. And they're waiting, they're waiting, they're waiting. And then we meet Jesus. Begins with his baptism. John 1, it says, The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptise with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. Jesus heads into the temple, he unrolls that place in Isaiah's prophecy. And he reads to the temple, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, to open the eyes of the blind, and to set the oppressed free. So everything that the people of God have been waiting for, Jesus has in abundance. And it leads to Jesus, if you read about it in the Gospels, going out and healing the sick. Casting out evil and proclaiming this good news that the kingdom of heaven has arrived and offering the forgiveness of sins. Maybe that's a good insight into what the Holy Spirit does and being spirit-filled as a believer is all about. Jackie Pullinger, who I mentioned earlier, she said, you know, I don't ever have these moments where you just feel a bit stuck in your faith, like you're going through the motions or... It just feels a bit mundane. And Jackie Pullinger, she used to say, whenever we felt stuck or flat or disheartened, 
She'd just go out to the poor and lay hands on people who needed prayer. In other words, she'd just go and do some of the Jesus stuff. And lo and behold, all of a sudden, faith would just reignite within her and she'd begin to see the Spirit move again and the faith where the embers had kind of got a bit dull and all of a sudden fan into flames once again. So Jesus says he's got to go away, but he will send his spirit. Luke 24, 29, he promises his disciples, Behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. You can feel the expectancy rising. It's been promised. It's now being seen in Jesus. He's now promised that he's going to have to go away. But when he goes away, that the Spirit is going to get poured out, just like the prophet Joel said. And those who have this Spirit will be empowered for that same mission that Jesus has. Mark 16, 17, Jesus says, These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up servants with their hands. If they drink poison, it won't harm them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. That, that's, just, that's meant to be just normal Christianity. I like what Joel Wimber used to say. He said, when we prayed for nobody, nobody got healed. <laughs> but when we started praying for everybody, some got healed. And he used to say, what's better? Nobody or somebody? That's what I love about these worship nights we have at this church. We've got one coming up in a couple of weeks. But come along to those. Don't let it just be all the young adults coming. They're so hungry. They're, our young adults at this church are awesome. I've got to say, I don't know what I was doing at their age, but they're, they're so much more impressive. Um, but they're just hungry for the presence. And we, we invite the Spirit to come, and we see people get prayed for, and prophetic words get released, and so, so good. It all takes power. And that's what was promised in Acts 1 8. Receive the power of the Holy Spirit and be Christ's witnesses. When I was 21, I did live in Africa for a year, and I remember preaching in Kenya, and I used to get so nervous because the expectation was you would do these street preaching meetings, and then you'd ask for people to come forward at the end to receive Christ or to be healed or pray for healing. I get so nervous, and I was like, nothing's going to happen. I'm absolutely sure nothing's going to happen. And then this wonderful African evangelist took me aside. He said, you know, the wonderful liberating thing is you're right. Through you, nothing is going to happen. But through the Holy Spirit, amazing things can happen. So we just become available. We just, you know, Woody Allen said 90% of success is just turning up. It's the same with ministry with the Holy Spirit. We just turn up. We invite the Spirit to come. And then we allow him to move. <clears throat> Alright, final thing. So at Pentecost, we finally reach the moment that changes the children of God forever. The Spirit gets poured out on all believers. Peter had gone from denying Jesus to preaching the first public sermon. Points the crowd to that Joel prophecy from hundreds of years before. And he says, what's going on with us all appearing to be drunk and filled with the Spirit is the evidence 
for the last days have dawned that the widespread gift of prophecy for old and young, male and female alike, it testifies to the fact that the ages have turned. We now live in the age of the abundance of the Holy Spirit. And so, I should hear you guys at this stage yell out, Yes! yes. <laughs> you can smell the barbecue. You can get distracted <laughs> by the barbecue, aren't you? But isn't that the amazing thing? No longer is it for particular people at a particular time. The gift of the Spirit is now for you, for me, for God's worldwide church. The waiting is over. The promise is here. So we're going to look at other elements of the Holy Spirit through this series. We'll get into all kinds of stuff. It's going to be great. I just want to close by saying, you know, as opposed to my experience growing up where I was told that that was just for the early first believers to get the church established and now we've got the Bible so we don't need the Spirit. Um, clearly this was the experience of believers all through the ages. You know, read the book of Acts. Remarkable healings happen. Read St. Augustine, who four centuries later is still talking about healings happening in the church. Records of John Wesley, crowds being falling over under the presence of God in the 18th century. Uh, what is happening in the church all throughout the world today, particularly in the developing world? The waiting is over, the promise has come. God's Spirit is now alive in His people. Why don't we stand?